Our reading today is in Genesis chapter 37, um, starting at verse 2, and that's on page 41 of the Church Bibles. Genesis 37. This is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And he brought their father a bad report about them. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons, because he had been born to him in his old age, and he made an ornate robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, Listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of corn out in the field, when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright, while your sheaves gathered round mine and bound down to it. His brothers said to him, Do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream, and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream. And this time the sun and moon and eleven stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Amen. Thank you, Ruth. Good morning. So through this uh, summer, we're going to be exploring uh, the story of Joseph. Uh, now, sometimes uh, I think that my family is a little bit like a, a soap opera, especially my family history. Uh, and so the, the story of Joseph always makes me feel a little bit better because it's nothing uh, comp compared uh, to Joseph's life and Joseph's history. And so we're going to see over the next eight weeks uh, that despite all the ups and downs of Joseph's life, God is faithful through everything. God is present and God is involved in Joseph's life and Joseph's story. We're going to see that Joseph's story is one of endurance through the ups and downs of his life. It's one of hope as he clings on to hope. And it's one of God's faithfulness as well. Uh, but at the moment, we have this bird's eye view uh, as we read the story. We can see the beginning and we can see the middle and we can see the end of Joseph's story. And we get the privilege of being able to see that through the ups and downs of Joseph's life, God is at work. There is always a bigger picture. Uh, Paul writes these words in Romans 5, verses 3 to 5. We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character, 
and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame. These words of Paul uh, could be the verses of Joseph's life as he faces sufferings and he grows in endurance and character and hope. And that hope triumphs over all as God is faithful to him throughout. But Joseph's story uh, begins in his family. A friend of mine was telling me uh, that after the birth of her fourth child, uh, she was concerned that each of her children uh, would get enough of her time and love and attention. And after a few days, uh, after the fourth child was born, she noticed that her eldest child, who was only seven years old, uh, was really quiet. And so she took a moment after lunch one day and sat down next to him and asked if everything was okay. And after a moment, uh, he thought about it and he turned to her and he said, Mum, I just want to know, are you thinking of having any more babies? <laughs> and obviously... <laughs> Uh, my friend thought, oh my goodness, uh, you know, he's feeling resentful towards the new baby. Um, and so she sat down next to him and she started to explain to him, you know, that every new baby brought so much love into the family. It was so, so joyful that they'd got this new baby, this fourth baby, this new brother. And he just looked at his mum, she says, really confused as though he was asking, what on earth are you talking about? And he said to her, I'm only bothered about this new baby because there's only room for six brushes in our toothbrush holder. <laughs> we meet Joseph uh, first at the beginning of Genesis 37. And we heard in the passage that he is a young man of 17 at this point. He's the firstborn son of Jacob's, Jacob's beloved wife, Rachel. And he's the second youngest son of 12. Uh, and there are some complex family dynamics at play. Yeah. As one of the youngest sons, he's probably been apprenticed at this point uh, to his older brothers to go out and work with them in the fields. Uh, but despite his brother's seniority, some of them must have probably been in their 20s or, or even 30s, he isn't intimidated by them. We discover in verse 2 that whilst he's out tending, his flock, tending the flocks with his brothers, something happens. Now, we don't know what happens. Uh, it could have been he sees some dodgy dealings going on out in the field, or it could be uh, that they've just been really mean to him as one of the younger brothers. It could have been that they haven't done anything at all, but he makes something up to tell his father to make him look better. Uh, I'm sure that never happens in any of our families. But whatever it is, in verse 2, we hear that Joseph goes to his father Jacob and brings a bad report about his brothers. Joseph has his father's ear, and rightly or wrongly, he's dropping his brothers in it. And we discover then in verse 3 that his father loved Joseph more than any of his other sons. 
Uh, now, my, my children, I've spoken about this before, I think, uh, but my children are always uh, have this sort of funny competition uh, about trying to get me to tell them that they are my favorite. I have three children. Uh, and so the conversation may go something like this. One of them uh, will wait until I'm fully engrossed in doing my emails on my iPad uh, one evening. And, uh, and I'll be sat there like this, and they'll come over to me and engage, and engage me like this. Mummy, mm. do you love me? Mm. Can I have a biscuit? Mm. Can you tell my brother to get off the TV? Mm. Am I your favorite child? And once, Finian, my youngest child, has got me to say, Mm, at that moment, and he glories in it and goes around going, Mommy told me I was his favorite child. I didn't. I said, I didn't. You tricked me. Um, he tricked me into saying it. But Joseph didn't have to trick his father, Jacob, uh, into telling him he is his favorite child. It's obvious everybody would have known that Joseph was Jacob's favorite child. But in some ways, even though we might think that's awful that he was treated differently, it's awful that everybody knew that he was his favorite child. It isn't really surprising when you know Jacob, the father's backstory. Now remember how after Jacob had been tricked uh, by his, uh, had tricked his father Isaac into giving him the birthright that actually belonged to his brother Esau, he ran away fearing for his life. And he found himself in the land of his uncle Laban. And by the well there, he met Laban's daughter Rachel. And we read earlier in Genesis that he fell immediately in love with her. And Joseph longs to marry Rachel, and he works for Laban for seven years in order to receive Rachel's hand in marriage, only to be tricked himself into marrying Rachel's sister, Leah. He then had to work for Laban for another seven years before he eventually gets to marry Rachel, as he had first intended. Rachel is the love of Jacob's life. And yet whilst Jacob's other wife's wife and maidservants managed to produce children, Rachel struggles to get pregnant. And finally, she gives birth to a son, Joseph. And Jacob at this stage is an old man. Joseph then is the much loved, much longed for child of Jacob's beloved Rachel. And so, is it actually that surprising that Jacob treats Joseph with favor? That Jacob treats Joseph as though he is his firstborn, the first child of the one he always intended to marry first. And so as a sign of his love, Jacob bestows on Joseph this ornate cloak, a beautiful garment that symbolized his love and his favor for Joseph. And now wherever Joseph goes, uh, this coat, this garment shouts, shouts out, I am Jacob's beloved son. I am his favor. I am the heir. And we think, oh, isn't that beautiful? You know, the express love of a father for his son. Except we know that families aren't as simple as that. 
Imagine if it was one of our families. It'd be like giving uh, one of our children or our nieces or nephews a, a, a Porsche uh, for their 18th birthday and then giving all the other children in the family a stack of bus tickets for their 18th birthday. And it's as though Joseph, who is the receiver of the Porsche, is driving around in his Porsche, making it blatantly obvious to everyone that he is the one who is loved and favored most by their father. There are 11 other brothers. They don't even mention the girls. There's probably a stack of girls as well. There are 11 other brothers in this family. And we hear in verse 4, that when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and they couldn't speak a kind word to him. I wonder if that resonates with you, with your families, with your friendship groups. It isn't surprising then that some serious cracks start to appear in the relationship between Joseph and the rest of the family. But then Joseph, in his juvenile, slightly immature style at this stage, takes those cracks to the next level, and they become huge chasms of bitterness and hurt. Joseph, in a moment of madness, I reckon he did this over breakfast as well, when people aren't at their best and, uh, and they're still waking up, he decides to share with his family the contents of his dreams. Now, I dream really vividly, and sometimes I have those moments in the hazy seconds after I wake up where I have to just gather myself and look around and work out what is reality and what was my dream. I don't know whether uh, you have to do that sometimes. I literally look at my husband and think, oh, hurrah, he's not dead. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, um, and then I see one of my children and I think, oh great, they haven't run off to join the army because I really thought they would do. Or I think, no, I'm not stood in front of a congregation doing a wedding or a funeral and I haven't lost the rest of the vows or the rest of my sermon, which is my recurring nightmare. Joseph doesn't do that. He doesn't lie in bed processing his dreams. He gets up there and he stands in front of his family and he launches into a description of his vivid dream from the night before. Hey guys, he's saying, you know, I had this dream last night. Uh, You've got to listen to it. We were all out there in the fields gathering in the harvest and we bundled up our sheaves of corn and then guess what? My sheaf of corn rose up and stood upright And your sheaves of corn, they all just bow down before me. And they are like, what are you on, Joseph? Who do you think you are? Do you think you are our ruler? And they hated him for his arrogance. But Joseph doesn't stop there either. It's like he has forgotten where his off switch is. And he's either oblivious to the escalating feelings towards him, or he's just enjoying his elevated position uh, and is feeling invincible and I'm on a roll. And so he goes on, oh, and I had another dream. And in this one, the sun and the moon and the 11 stars, no, 11 stars, and there were 11 brothers sat around the table. Those sun and the moon and the stars are bowing down before me me. And he's basically saying to them, one day I, one of the younger brothers who you already hate because dad obviously loves me most, I am going to rule over you. 
So family relations aren't great. And this really tips the balance. You can imagine the brothers getting up from the table, cups being slammed on the table, crockery and cups flying everywhere, dad and wives trying to keep the peace and get everybody to sit down again. Absolute carnage. But if we're honest, it's not that different from many of the families that we might have been in growing up or be in now. Different personalities, jealousies, people jostling for place and position, people making mistakes and hurting each other by the things that we do or don't say, people who mess up how we show love to each other. Let's face it, Jacob, whose own parents hadn't been the best example, having favorites themselves and deceiving each other, Jacob simply loves his son but he just gets how to love him out of context in this family. And so we see Joseph, this hero of faith. And in many ways, he is a hero of faith, and we'll see that as the story goes on. But in lots of respects, he is just a normal person. He is a normal, flawed, gifted person who God chooses to be part of his big story. And you and I, we are just normal, flawed, gifted people who God chooses to be part of his big story. This week, the fourth, and they say, the last Toy Story film has been released. But one of my favorite moments from all the, toys, the first three, I haven't seen the fourth, uh, Toy Story films, is from, still from the first film. And in that film, uh, Woody, who uh, we all know is a cowboy doll, uh, is, is Andy's favorite toy. He is the king of the toys uh, who live in Andy's bedroom until Buzz Lightyear flies into the scene and usurps Woody's position as the favorite. And Woody is completely distraught and he's overcome with jealousy. And a whole collection of exciting adventures unfold until later in the film, Woody finds himself in the pit of despair. He's lost and he's depressed and he's far from home. And in that moment of despair, he looks at the bottom of his feet. You might remember this scene. And there, emblazoned across the bottom of his shoes, is the name Andy. In that moment of desperation, he's reminded that despite everything, he is still chosen. He still belongs. He has Andy's name written on him. Whatever our human family situations... Whatever the joys and sorrows that we experience in life, whether we've been jealous, whether we're proud, whether we're the one that causes hurt and division, or we're the one who has been hurt. Because of God's great love for us, because God broke into time in the person of Jesus, Because he suffered death on the cross and rose again, whoever we are, whether we're the youngest or the oldest in the family, whether things are great or a bit of a mess, whether we are the greatest or the least, whether whoever we are, 
We are invited to be God's beloved, to be chosen, to be his children. He says to each of us, come into my family. You can be adopted into my family. You can be inheritors of my love, which is perfect. You can be forgiven and you can have life with me forever. As God's chosen people, Paul tells us in Colossians 3 verse 12 that we are made holy, we are dearly loved, we are marked out, we are clothed as children of God. And so our lives in our families, in our church communities, in our workplaces, amongst our friends, should then be marked by forgiveness and grace and love that we've received. These verses in Genesis chapter 37 are only the start of the story of Joseph. We've got another 13 chapters to come, and we'll see there that Joseph's life is marked by forgiveness and grace and love that he has first received from God. We will see that God is involved in Joseph's story from these first moments to the end of his life. We will see that God is committed to Joseph, through all those ups and downs and twists and turns of his life. We will see that God is present with Joseph in every scene of his life. We will see that God is training Joseph to be a great leader, to play his part in bringing about God's purposes for his people as he makes his descendants a great nation, a holy people. God is setting out the ground He's teaching us, too, what it looks like to be a chosen people. He has loved us. He has called us. He has forgiven us. And so as we finish, I'm going to read that verse from uh, Colossians chapter 3. And just receive these words for yourself and let God speak to 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 you through them. As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you have a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity.